When we think about selling, we always think about selling ideas, products, services. We rarely consider that we are always selling an emotional state. Think about it. Whenever you interact with another human being, you're either going to be left in a better state, in the same state, or in a worse state, emotionally speaking, than before you encountered them. And nowhere could this be more true and more important than in selling, right? Now, the easiest way to actually influence somebody's emotional state, rather than some hypnotic language patterns or some voodoo, is to just be in a very powerful state. If you put two humans in a room and one is more excited than the other one is bored, chances are pretty good that the excited person is going to rub off on the bored person sooner or later. And there's a little hack here, a little challenge, if you want, that you could take on where it's like, you know, try to just live one day in your life through the goal of leaving every human being in a better emotional state than you encountered them. Just for one day. If you try that exercise just for one day or take on that challenge just for one day, please send me an email, stellyfd at gmail.com and let me know how it goes. But I can guarantee you it is incredibly difficult to do. I'm talking every human being. It doesn't matter if they're on the phone with you, in person, in an email, in a social media exchange. It doesn't matter if it's a really important interaction or a very casual one, just somebody in an elevator with you. If you truly try to uplift, emotionally speaking, every human being you interact with for a 24-hour period, you'll see how difficult this can be. Try it. It's going to be fun. You're going to learn a lot about you and a lot about the art of influence. Now, I think long-term, a more realistic, a better potential long-term goal to have is to try to leave everybody you encounter in a better emotional state or in the same emotional state, but never in a worse state than when they encountered you. That, I think, is a reasonable goal to set for life and still would challenge you in many, many days, especially the days when you are in a particularly bad mood or bad emotional state. Now, why is it so important to be in a powerful or positive state, to be emotionally in a good place when you're trying to influence other people? Well, think about it. What, how does somebody need to feel in order to be able to make a decision to buy your product? Just consider this for a moment. How does somebody need to feel? Right? Well, let's go the other way first. Let's go by the, uh, you know, the, the, the principle of elim elimination, right? So how can somebody, what, what would be an emotional state that we can't have if we wanted somebody to be ready to decide to buy our product? Could we convince somebody to buy a product that feels deeply depressed, that feels deeply irritated, Somebody that's incredibly overwhelmed, somebody that's anxiety-ridden, stressed, in a panic. How easy or difficult would it be to convince somebody to make a buying decision while they're in a state of deep, deep depression and apathy? Quite challenging, right? Well, what are the states that we would want people to be in? Well, can you convince people to do things when they're excited, when they are passionate, when they are positive, when they are curious, when they are convinced, 
Can you convince people to do things when they have clarity, conviction? Right? Those are pretty good states to be in. If you can get put somebody in that state or find them when they're already in that state, selling to them will be much, much easier. So, I've told this story before, but it is an important one. Um, a few years ago, um, my co-founder, one of my co-founders and I were in Boston to attend a conference and to meet with an important customer of ours. And one night, we went to a dinner, a restaurant that was well-known for having some of the best desserts in town. Both my co-founder and I were very, very kind of exhausted and tired at the end of a very long day. We arrived at that restaurant kind of late, I think around 9 p.m. We sat down and we were, you know, not necessarily, you know, expressing through body language a high level of positivity and excitement. We looked miserable and grumpy because that's how we look when we don't make any efforts to look different, right? Both me and my co-founder actually uh, are perceived as kind of grumpy or negative uh, people. In my case, a lot of times people would assume that I'm aggressive when I walk into a room. I have kind of an aggressive, what is it called? Resting bitch face or something like that. I'm not even aware of it. Like I walk into a room and I look very stern, very aggressive, very probably arrogant. I don't know. I look like a, a, a douche. I don't look nice, right? I really don't. And I don't mean to not look nice. It's just the way I look. So my co-founder it's very much the same in very different ways. So we, we walk into the restaurant, we sit down at this table, we both look, I don't know, like two arrogant dudes that are angry. I don't know, something along those lines. There's the waitress showing up and it's the very first interaction. And this waitress, she, you know, at this point, all she's trying to do is try to figure out how to get us started with some water into the night, right? So typically what does a waiter ask in a nice restaurant like this, you know, can I get you started with some water? Do you want, you know, tap water, sparkling water, or bottled still water? Now, not this waitress. She was on her A-game. She showed up high energy, big smile, ear to ear. She looked at us and she launched into her pitch, gentlemen, can I start you up with some water? Do you want some? And then she waved down and she looked disgusted with some tap water. Or could I excite you for some thrilling, refreshing, exciting San Pellegrino, right? We both looked at her and we went, tap water is fine. And she left. Now, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you could have gotten the impression that we disliked that waitress. And I'm pretty sure that she might have felt that way. But it had nothing to do with her. It had absolutely nothing to do with her. In fact, the moment she left, we, st we started complimenting her and noticing on kind of her level of enthusiasm. We looked at each other and we went, wow, not a bad pitch. My co-founder was like, I've never seen somebody pitch sparkling water as exciting, thrilling, refreshing, you know, uh, San Pellegrino. We're like, wow, that was slightly heavy-handed, but impressive nonetheless. Now, as the night progressed, she, you know, she came later to take our, you know, our main course order and we ordered and I assume we didn't look nicer or more positive either. And throughout the whole night, we were observing other tables that were ordering desserts. We were seeing kind of the, the extravagance of the desserts that other people were enjoying. 
we're secretly kind of looking forward to having some super delicious dessert. But again, we were having very deep conversations. We were very tired, we were exhausted, and we looked quite grumpy and negative. Now, her energy was kind of dropping off throughout the night. But after we finished dinner, um, my co-founder looked at me and he said, all right, now I want to see some five-star pitch on the dessert thing. I mean, this restaurant is really just known for the desserts. This lady really pitched the sparkling water heavy. I'm curious to see how she's going to pitch us the desserts. So we're looking and waiting for her to show up and give us the big final you know, presentation on the dessert side of things. And she shows up and she just drops off the check and leaves the table without a word. And we looked at each other completely puzzled. We're like, what? huh? We didn't ask for the fucking, we didn't ask for the check. And she didn't even say anything. She just dropped it off and left. And then we looked at each other and we're like, nah, I'm kind of tired. Are you tired? I'm tired. All right, let's just pay and get out of here. And we didn't order dessert. And we didn't give that great of a tip either. And I'll tell you why. I don't respect people that are that easy to influence in a negative way. Her first pitch was awesome. It truly was. It was great. Now, it didn't work, but I still appreciated the energy. If she had been able to maintain her energy level and not let us influence her, not make up some story in her mind of what we think of her and how much we hate her or dislike her and let us influence her in doing her job worse than when she first encountered us. I would have given her an amazing tip and she would have deserved it, but she didn't. She came up with a story that our reactions to her first pitch and our interactions with her had to do with her personally and were targeted at her personally and probably meant something really terrible. And so she decided to feel terrible around us for no reason whatsoever. It had nothing to do with her. We never did anything really negative. We just looked kind of grumpy and we didn't instantly jump on the bandwagon of her positivity. That's not enough to let somebody influence you. Now, there's a really important lesson to learn here, which is that when you're in sales, it's easy to start your pitch at a 10 out of 10 level of enthusiasm, excitement, positivity, energy. It's easy to start strong, but it's very hard to end strong. And it's even harder to end strong when the other party isn't playing along with you, isn't playing nice isn't jumping on and affirming whatever your emotions are. Oh, yes, you're excited. I'm excited now, too. You know what's really hard? To stay excited while the other person seems depressed or seems lethargic or seems disinterested. That's hard. And to do that, not in a fake, um, kind of sleazy, slimy salesperson, like I'm not even myself and I can't stand myself. I'm just pretending to be somebody kind of a voice. Oh, isn't this so exciting? Not that, right? Not that kind of excited. Like you're truly passionate and your passion is not conditional to their reaction to it. If you truly believe in your product, in your service, in your ideas, your passion can't be conditional to how people respond to it. So what are the four steps 
that you need to keep in mind when it comes to selling others on your emotional states while you're selling them your ideas, your products, your services, whatever it might be that you're trying to sell and pitch. Well, first, you need to be state aware. The first step is to be aware of your own state. What is the state that I'm in, the emotional state that I am in right now and why? Maybe you want to have a journal, an emotional journal. All you do is you track your emotional states throughout the day. And then you try at the end of the day or the next day in the morning to review your emotional states and try to figure out what happened and how to improve on this, how to learn from it. But you need to be state aware. You need some state awareness, right? What are my emotional states? How do I feel and why? And then you can start practicing step number two, which is state control, right? Being now not just aware of your emotions, but being able to influence your own emotions and to control them. I want to be in a passionate state of mind. What can I do to accomplish this? Is there a song I can listen? Is there an exercise, a physical activity I can practice that puts me in that state of mind? Is there an affirmation, a book I can read, a picture, an image I can look at or create in my mind? Is there something I can tell myself? Is there somebody I can talk to? What can I do to create a certain emotional state in myself and to maintain it? So first you need state awareness, then you need state control. Now, step number three is you want to have state influence, right? Now that you are aware of your own emotional states, you know how you feel and why, and you can control those states and put yourself thoughtfully and consciously into an emotional state before going after an activity like selling, for instance. Now, step three is you want to state influence. You want to start being aware of and attempting to influence other people's state of mind, other people's emotional household. Let me not try to just sell this person something. Let me make this person feel something deeply. Let me change how they feel. Let me put them in an emotional state that will empower them to make decisions, that will give them energy and not cost them energy. You can make a list of all people in your life and they're going to be in either side of the line. People that give me energy and people that cost me energy. Whoever gives you energy will be a person you want to spend more and more time with. Logical, right? And whoever saps your energy, whoever is emptying your batteries, will be somebody you will want to run away from. Now, how successful are you going to be in sales if you're the type of person that takes energy away from others? Not that successful, I guarantee it to you. One of the main things that I do when I go on stage, and one of the main reasons why you know I might be very animated and very loud, is that I'm on stage to give the audience as much energy as possible. And why? Why do I do that? It's very simple. I know I'm teaching people things that will make their lives better. I know I'm teaching them ideas and tactics and strategies that will make them more successful. But I also know that all the things that I'm going to share with them will be useless until and unless they feel like taking action. So one of the main goals I have through all the keynotes I've given all around the world is to jolt people with a, an infusion of energy so that they don't just take the ideas I share, but they feel like putting them into practice.
They feel motivated to do things. It's very, very easy. And that's why people keep inviting me on their stages. I don't want to sound arrogant, but you know, for the past six years, I've, I don't know, I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of conferences literally all around the world. All of them were invitations that came to me. All of this public speaking that I do came off of one talk I gave at one conference in, I don't know when it was, 2000, I'm not sure, 2012, 2013. And after that conference, seven other conference organizers saw me on stage and invited me instantly. They were like, whatever you did on this stage, can you do it on my stage? My audience can also benefit from this massive amount of energy that you gave this audience. And then I went and I did it there. And then those audiences invited me to other conferences. And it's been, you know, hundreds of conference invitations every single year. The number is growing every year. Why? Because I'm somebody that gives the conference attendees more energy that I take from them. So step one is state awareness. Step two is state control. Step three is state influence, playing with influencing other people, putting them in better emotional states. And step four is state protection. Now listen, you're not always going to make people feel the way you want to, to make them feel. You're not always going to have them catch fire from your emotional state. You're not. You're not always going to be able to influence how somebody is feeling. Especially the most senior people are some of the most kind of in-demand people, some of the highest level of decision makers. They will be very critical, very cynical, very negative. They'll play their cards very close to their chest. They're not going to open up emotionally or in any other way. It's showing you exactly how they feel and what they think. They're not. That would and will and is intimidating most junior and inexperienced salespeople. But if you're a senior salesperson, you respect that. You go, you know what? I respect that you are hypercritical, that you're cynical, that you are, you know, silent, that you're giving me so little to work with. I appreciate that. I respect that. That's fine. I don't require and need you to give me affirmation and positive feedback to feel good. I am in control of my emotional household. I feel great. I feel confident. I feel clarity and confidence, and you cannot change that. That's the highest level that you want to play at. So you want to protect your emotional states from others. So during the day when other people want to make you feel worse than you do, especially prospects, when people scream at you or hang up on you when you cold call them, or when you give a presentation and they shoot you down with negative questions and with critical and cynical comments, can you protect your emotional household from being influenced from others and being dragged down? If you can do that, now, now you are playing at an emotional level of true competence. You have state awareness, state control, state influence, and state protection. And that's really what you should be striving towards. Really, honestly, it doesn't matter if you're in sales or not. No matter what you do, that's what you should try to accomplish. I tell, I've told this story many, many times. So I'm not going to tell it in its entirety on this podcast. We'll link up to it in the notes. This, people ask me all the time about this, the best pitch I've ever received the best salesperson I ever met that sold me something. And I tell this story that's almost 20 years ago of a 
tie-and-suit salesman that changed my life literally 20 years ago. I still, I've told this story to hundreds of thousands of people. And the reason why I tell this story is because that man made me feel something that nobody had made me feel before him. And so I will never forget him. That this beautiful quote that people forget what you said, they will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And in sales, you have a true, the true power to make people feel something, to influence people's emotional states. So you need to take that opportunity with the responsibility to make the most out of it.